What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 104 of the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about really the week we've had, kind of the season leading up to this point, and where we're going moving forward as far as strategy goes and, and what we'll be doing, looking at for the show. we got a good episode coming out tonight you guys need to check out, and I will talk about all that stuff on this episode as well. So, before we get into that, though, don't forget about our partners for the podcast, guys. Can't say how much we appreciate these guys working with us. And if you guys need any of their services, we highly recommend you go check them out. And one of those is Rodney Hawkins. So if you guys are looking for your own piece of ground to manage and hunt, he's going to be the guy to talk to, especially if you're looking in Illinois and Southern Illinois, even more specifically. He grew up hunting and fishing down here, and he's now putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. Midwest Farm and Land isn't your average real estate company. They sold over $85 million worth of ground alone in 2022 with agents like Rodney all over Illinois. They're really a local company with a national reach. For more info on them or anything that might be available or even getting your property listed, you can contact Rodney directly at 618-925-3153 and he'll get you taken care of. He's also got his own company called RG Outdoors. So He's got products from Radix Hunting. He's got Camo Dust, which is an all-natural scent elimination product. He's got Tacticam trail cameras now, and he's always looking for new stuff to add as well. So if you want to keep up with them, if you want anything that they might have available, you can send them a message to their Facebook page. That's RG Outdoors. You can email them at rgoutdoors at yahoo.com. Or again, just call him directly at 618-925-3153. Also, Grandpa Ray Outdoors. And they specialize in providing the best nutrition for whitetail deer on your property, starting with the soil. They've got a full line of high-quality food plot seed and plant foods, They've been in business since 19... John has been in business in the seed nutrition business since 1991. Grandpa Ray's was started in 2015. They've got over 14 different food plot blends to choose from, so you're not going to have any trouble finding what you're looking for. They've got spring blends, corn and beans, switchgrass, liquid fertilizer, soil test kits. When it comes to food plots, you name it, they've got it. We've actually shot or shot at three bucks now within... I mean, two of them were in Grandpa Ray Outdoors plots. One of them has been in them... I mean, all year, really, he, that's kind of where we honed in on a big Grandpa Ray plot where he was at when we got a shot at him. So this stuff works, guys. The deer really like it. We've always had good results with it. I've put it on a ton of client properties as well, and it's always been good. So if you want to, go check them out at GrandpaRayOutdoors.com. Use the discount code RHOPODCAST. That's all lowercase, no space, and you get 5% off your order there. We also are a dealer for them, so if you want to save some money on shipping, just let me know. Send us a message uh, through our website or through Facebook. And we'll get you taken care of on that. Our website is ridgehunteroutdoors.com. And anything on there that you do see that you like, whether it be the apparel, the all-natural scents that we have, the tarsal sprays, the calming scent, or anything else, you can use the discount code RHOPOD. That's all caps, no space, and you get 10% off there. Our Facebook is Ridge Hunter Outdoors, and that's our Instagram as well. Those are the two socials that we use quite a bit. We have a private Facebook group called RHO Podcast Patrons where you guys can have some input on the show. Use it as an outdoor, uh, your normal hunting group whatever. We'll try to put guests on there as they come in as well, so you guys can ask them questions if you have them for them. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify or anywhere else, make sure you follow us, leave us a review. That really helps us out. Uh, it doesn't seem like much. It doesn't seem like it would, but in the algorithms and all that, uh, it does help you know push us up and get more people listening. Uh, the YouTube channel is Rich Hunter Outdoors. That's where you'll find the Fall Pursuit episodes. We are on number seven. That's coming out tonight at seven o'clock. We're doing that throughout the year. It's a semi-live series that we're doing. It's your traditional type, more traditional type hunting show. I've had a lot of fun doing it so far. I think everybody else has too. But you can find that on the YouTube channel. So subscribe there. Hit the notification bell. 
And then like and comment on any of the videos there. Our podcasts are all posted on YouTube as well. So with all that said, let's get into episode number 104. This is the Rich Hunter Outdoors podcast. All right, I'm going to keep this one pretty short and sweet today, probably. I know you guys are out there probably getting ready to hunt this weekend if you got some vacation time with the holiday coming up. And we do have the holidays anyway this week, so you're probably all kinds of busy. So we'll keep this one somewhat short. But I'm going to be talking about kind of the last week that we've had in the season to this point. If you guys have been keeping up on Fall Pursuit, then you kind of know some of this stuff already. Like, for example, we had Blake on a few weeks ago talking about his season. He bucked out early, like November 3rd. Um, he shot two really nice deer this year, a 130-class 8-pointer and a 150-class 10-pointer, both very nice mature deer that he was able to harvest. Uh, we have both of those recoveries on the show. You guys can go back and check those out. Nate was able to take a really nice buck, an old 8-pointer, in one of Blake's spots, actually. Um, he shot him at 45 yards, and I, mean, I think he went like 30 yards and, and laid over and died. So it was a sweet shot by him. If you guys saw that episode, you saw that when it comes to filming hunts, sometimes things go wrong. Um, he was a little out of focus. Well, he was a lot out of focus when the shot hit, but it was still good. I thought it was pretty entertaining. I could not tell you how many times I watched that video back of that deer being stepping out and then everything kind of going blurry and that green blob just flying through the air and smacking him. You could tell, you can still tell how good the shot was, but anyway, I got the job done. So Nate is one buck down. And then that kind of leads into tonight's episode, which you guys will get to see. And I'm going to talk about it quite a bit, and then you guys can go watch it. So this past week was really the one-year anniversary of me shooting both the wide buck, the wide eight at the cabin that I'd never seen before on November 14th, and I didn't find him. And then I shot Ghost last year on November 17th. Didn't recover him either um, last year. So this past week was kind of bringing back some tough memories again. And then uh, actually November 14th that morning, I had mature bucks in the food plot, the same in front of that cabin stand where I shot the buck last year. So I could have had a year to the date, a chance at redemption. But nonetheless, me and Nate went back the morning of the 15th because the deer had been in there. I went the 14th the afternoon and sat on the new plot and didn't end up seeing uh, one little buck and some does right at last light. Uh, but they'd been moving around in there all day. So I knew there was probably a hot doe in the area. So we were keying in on that and the camera intel that we had, we were looking for, I had one really nice new buck show up. He's got great big brow tines. He's a really solid eight, probably 140 class eight pointer. And a couple other bucks that I'd already known that had been running around in there along with several like three-year-old deer. So we knew something was going on and that was going to be the place to be, even though I didn't see anything that afternoon. So we went back the morning of the 15th and settled in, hoping maybe to see the shed buck, hoping that whatever hot doe was in the area would bring him by, or maybe to see one of those other, you know, handful of shooters that I'd had on camera already. I got a, a nice 10 there that will probably go 140 uh, that I would probably shoot. Uh, a seven-pointer at this point that I think I would definitely shoot. I've talked about him on the show some, but he's just a big, framey seven-point. He doesn't have a lot going on, but he's a nice deer. He's a mature deer for sure. Uh, there's... That big brow tine eight, uh, the shed buck, of course, that I already mentioned. Um, I think I'm missing one. 
Maybe I'm not. There's another four-year-old eight that I don't know if I would shoot or not for sure. But anyway, we got settled in on the 15th, hoping to maybe see one of those bucks. And then we had the a great big doe that I've got running around there. I say I, that, that is running around on that property some. And the guys laughed at me when I told them she looked like a four-and-a-half-year-old buck in the pictures. But then I got another one, and I sent it to them, and they understood what I was talking about. Like, if it was if this was February, you'd think it was a buck that had shed its antlers. It's just a huge doe. So we actually had her come by at about 50 yards early that morning. That was the first deer we saw, and it was quiet, dead still, just eerily similar to the 14th of last year when I shot that one buck uh, when he came in behind a doe. And then, I don't know, we did an interview, and a little bit later, I look up, and on the dam, about 125 yards away, 150 maybe, there's a nice buck standing there at the water. And I told Nate, he was running camera for me. And I got the binoculars up and I just couldn't tell. He caught me a little off guard because I didn't know who he was. And I thought, man, it, he might be a young buck. And the more I got to looking, the better he looked. I thought, oh, no, he's he's probably a shooter. And Nate, as soon as he got on with the camera, you guys will hear it. He said, man, that's a good buck. He said, that's a really good buck. And while I was looking through him, the binoculars at him, Nate was looking through him the, uh, on the camera. I realized that he was definitely a shooter without a doubt. Um, a 140s, 10, he's really a, a mainframe 9, I guess technically 11, because he had a, a flyer coming off of his left G2, he had a split on his right G2, didn't have a lot of width, not a ton of mass, but really good height, good beams, good points, a lot of character, really cool deer that, again, I had never seen before, so this was two bonus bucks in two days on that property over there, and it's it's known for that. Over the years, I've had several new bucks show up that I haven't had pictures of. It's actually more common for that to happen than years like this year where I've seen multiple bucks um, multiple times. Usually I will see a buck for a couple weeks and then he disappears and maybe a new one moves in or I'll see a flurry of bucks move in there and then they move out. But I've seen the shed buck multiple times. I've seen that 10 pointer multiple times, uh, the older eight, that seven, all of those deer. And that's not counting the ones that I'm not calling mature deer yet that I've seen multiple times. So they're definitely using the property. But anyway, this was another new buck. And he stepped up on the dam and we were looking and I couldn't tell if he was going to turn towards us or turn back. And it actually turned out that he was with a doe. And we didn't even know that at the time. We realized it later as we were watching the video back that there was a doe standing over there on the dam with him. And I think he actually did turn our direction anyway. But just in case, I went ahead and threw him a couple grunts. And man, he just came on a string. It wasn't maybe two minutes. He came around the corner of the timber there or the thick stuff by the pond. <clears throat> he came along the pond bank, which is not the best place for him to be, but I could definitely shoot it. Um, but I knew it was going to be quartering to me just a little bit. So I was already thinking about what I did last year with that buck that was at 20-something yards. Um, I held back behind that shoulder, and I ended up hitting him way back and low. And that deer, I'm satisfied, didn't die. I didn't kill him. So I had that in my mind. I knew this was going to be a quartering two shot if I was going to take it because if I let him get to where he'd be broadside, he would be behind the limbs and the tree that it didn't have trimmed out. So I knew kind of in my mind what was going to happen and if he didn't come up into the plot. I was hoping he would turn the corner and come into the plot, but he didn't. He stayed on the pond bank, and I started to range the spot, but I knew about where 30 yards was. I'd actually killed a doe in the same spot where he was several years ago, probably 10, 9, 10 years ago. Uh, on that pond bank, but he came in, he stopped for a second, I got Drew back, he stopped for a second, I was going to shoot him there, he took a couple other steps, so I had to stop him, and at 30 yards, it was dead quiet, 
assuming he was going to drop, which he did. I aimed. I had my pin set at 25. I started to adjust it, but I just left it because it only shoots about three inches low at 30 yards. So I put my 25-yard pin about right where I would want the arrow to go in if he didn't drop. So I knew it would be a little bit low. That way, if he dropped, he would drop into it. If he didn't, I would hopefully at least clip the bottom part of everything going through him. So I let the shot go. Sure enough, he drops a little bit, and the arrow gets to him and just it smacks. And I could see it kick out weird. Um, like it came out kind of sideways. Sorry, Siri. It came out kind of sideways. And you could hear me on the video. As soon as it hit, I was like, what happened? And Nate, I, he didn't see it right away because he's looking through the screen on the camera. Uh, he said, man, you got him. And I thought, well, I should have. My thoughts in my head were I should have got him because the arrow was tracking really good and it hit right where I thought it should have hit. I held right in tight to the shoulder, like the back part of the shoulder. Uh, really, I guess probably middle of the shoulders. I was holding it right on there. And the arrow tracked good. It hit right where I would have wanted it to hit. But, man, just something goofy happened. So we didn't really know what to think at first. And Nate tried to get video of him running off, but he got into the thick stuff. And he ended up going back east, I think, sooner than we thought. But we sat there and we talked about it. We looked at the video, and our initial thoughts were, when we looked at the video and replayed it, that it, it literally just bounced off of him is what it looked like. It looked like the shot, the arrow got to him, hit him, maybe went in about an inch or two, and then just kicked out sideways, bounced right off, and he got out of there. So that was not a good feeling right off the bat, watching the replay of it. And, you know, I'm shooting those 125-grain mega meats. Which, you know, some people might say that if I'd have been shooting a fixed blade and it went through him and I'd have killed him, it would have stuck in him. And maybe that's true, but I just don't feel like uh, with the tip that's on those mega meats, and I'm shooting about 550 grains of arrow, which is plenty at 30 yards. It should have went in him anyway. I mean, it should have stuck in him anyway. So I'm not, you know, both the deer I shot last year, I was shooting a fixed blade. And it went right through both of them. I lost both of them. I've lost deer. I've talked about this on the podcast. I've lost deer with mechanicals, this being another one. Uh, but I hit him right there where I wanted to, and, and it did kick out. But So maybe that could be something people will, will comment about. We'll see. Uh, but that's just my thoughts on it. But anyway, I climbed down. I thought, well, I'll go look at the arrow and see what it looks like. And I grabbed the arrow. There was blood immediately. I went and looked for some more blood, and I noticed right off the bat that on the arrow there was fat and hair like four inches from the knock. So I thought that, you know, blood can splatter sometimes. You can get in, you know, a few inches and then have blood splatter up on your arrow, but generally fat doesn't. And to have fat with hair on it, and it had white hair all over the broadhead and fat and meat and blood, and it obviously didn't go all the way through him. There was nothing really on the fletchings except one little speck of blood and some hair. But the white hair made me think it definitely came out underneath of him somewhere. Hopefully, I was hoping towards the back hip, you know, back side of the chest cavity uh, where the white hair would come from. But it shouldn't have came from his shoulder. There wouldn't have been any white hair up there where it went in him at. So I thought, you know, maybe it did go all the way through him. And I got to looking for blood. And it did look like he was bleeding out of two holes. So that had me a little more optimistic. I climbed back up in the tree. We talked about it a little bit. We decided we'd ease up to the corner of the thick stuff and just see what the blood looked like. And we started doing that. And the 10-pointer that I mentioned earlier actually walked behind us probably 65, 70 yards away in the brush. So we tucked up into the thick stuff where this deer kind of went. 
we called a little bit to see what this deer was going to do in hopes of him maybe either coming in and we get a shot if he was if he was the deer I wanted to shoot because I did have two buck tags or, you know, maybe him working his way off so we didn't spook him. But anyway, we sat in there for probably 20 minutes listening to that deer rub trees and walk around back there. We grunted and snort wheezed at him, shook, shook some limbs around, and he just never came in. So we decided we were safe. We got out of there. I had a couple other things to do. We went and got some food, uh, all that stuff. When we came back, and we went to looking for the deer, and we, we ducked into this thick stuff, and the blood was not great at first. And we'd actually heard something crash down at the bottom of the dam, so we were hoping maybe that was him. But we got on the blood, and it didn't get good until we got to the corner of the dam where he had turned back east. It looked like maybe he stood there for a second. But then it, he really opened up, and he was bleeding really well, like walking place. It had some darker blood in it, so I thought, well, hopefully I got lungs and liver, and it came out part of the guts. That would have been best-case scenario. So we followed blood all the way to the neighbor's fence, and where we had to back out, a uh, walking blood trail. We thought, man, maybe he was down here at the bottom of this. Obviously, he wasn't. So we backed out. We got permission from everybody we needed to get permission to uh, from. And then we started tracking again. And we went back and walking blood trail for 800 more yards. And this would have totaled 1,000 up to another fence line where we had to go get more permission from some more neighbors. Uh, so we did that. We went in there, tracked another... Gosh, 100 yards or so. So we're pushing right up on 1,100 yards right now, full track. Finally found a bed. It was getting dark. Flashlights were going dead. I thought I found blood going out of the bed, but it turned out I didn't. We went back the next day. I went back the next day, looked around for some more blood, couldn't find any. So our buddy from uh, Best Effort Recovery and Bloodhounds, Jonathan Beachy, who we'd had on the podcast he was able to make it down. He was kind enough to make the drive because uh, there wasn't anybody else available. He had a couple other tracks that night, but he made the time for us, and I can't say thanks enough to him and how much I appreciate him coming down and helping us with that. But he came down that night, and we advanced the track another 300 yards. Oh, it was really spotty blood, but we did find some blood, so we know Pixie, his dog, was on it. But then we got in down in this creek bottom that was just really dry. It had actually rained, which I think was helping the dog. Uh, Jonathan said that helps him out a lot. Uh, just a little bit of rain brings that scent back. But it got dry into a spot where the rain didn't really hit the ground, and then that's kind of where we lost him. So we tracked a total of about 1,300, between 1,300 and 1,400 yards on this buck, most of it with good blood, and we came up with nothing. And that's not to say he's not dead. Our, our thoughts now are that I probably hit his onside lung low and then it might have deflected the way he dropped and kicked his leg back and came out down through the brisket. Uh, I don't think it came out through the stomach. So we're thinking maybe that's where the two holes came from. I had one where it entered, and then it came out down like backside of the brisket kind of area. That'd be where the white hair came from, and that would explain the blood trail. You know, if I clipped maybe part of the liver or just the right vein or something in there to get a little bit of dark blood. Um, but the type of shot where he could live for a very long time, and he might not die at all. Uh, so we kind of just decided that obviously he wasn't dead there. He had plenty of blood, you know, on the track and in the beds that he could have been dead very easily. But, you know, at this point it's hard to say. we got neighbors with cameras that are running them. They're supposed to let us know if they see anything. Uh, also that hunt. So if they find him, hopefully we'll know. 
Um, but at this point, I kind of hope maybe he just he's he survived and at some you know wild chance we get another shot at him. But it was similar to last year where I'd never seen this deer before, so I don't really expect to see him again, even if he is still alive. But you never know what could happen, especially if he gets on another doe or something, uh, if he's not hurt too bad. So we'll. That remains to be seen the rest of that story. Uh, I might see if I can go do some shed hunting on those neighbors just to see if I can walk around and maybe find him. I think he was living where we found his beds at, his first bed. I think that's probably where he was living at, so I wouldn't mind if they didn't care to do some shed hunting and just see whether we could find him or find the sheds. But if we do, all that stuff, I was obviously down the road, so I'll bring that to you. i keep you updated if we do have anything else come out on that. But if you guys want to see all that, definitely go watch the episode tonight. And you will also see... What happened in between us losing the trail that night after his bed and then going back in the next day and then going in that night with the dog, which was Nate's hunt from the morning of the 16th. Uh, We went into his home farm, what he calls the North Woods, hunting over the South Plot. And basically what it is is an acre and a half of Grandpa Ray outdoors. I think he's got fall draw up there. And it sits inside a 40-acre CRP field, and then he's got a 7-8 acre patch of timber right there, something like that, 7 to 8 acres. And these deer, it kind of funnels down into this little draw and a fence row, and the deer kind of use it. It funnels them down right there in this corner. A couple fence rows meet at the corner of this woods. But anyway, he'd seen his target buck, the 6x5, on camera about 200, 250 yards from there the night prior. So we decided we had the wind to do it. There really wasn't much wind again on the morning of the 16th. We decided we'd go in there and try that. And before we even got settled in the stand, there was a decent young buck in the food plot. He worked his way through. We had another buck come behind us in the woods, another young buck. Uh, Nate looked up and saw a mature buck. He's got trails mowed through the CRP everywhere, leading up to the food plot and everything, kind of connecting things. He saw a mature buck. Uh, He said he was goofy looking, coming up to the food plot there. He ended up coming around me at about 25 yards. A pretty cool-looking buck, but not one Nate wanted to buck out on, and I don't blame him. A definitely mature deer. He had some kind of antler injury from probably when he was in velvet. It looked like just the way it grew. It's like it got injured and then kept growing. Uh, so you have to see, watch and see that deer, what he actually looked like. It was He was kind of cool, but he worked his way off to the north, and then Nate says... There's a six by five, and I couldn't quite see him yet. But then I looked, I looked back over through the timber, and I could see what he was talking about. And he just saw this white rat coming. Then he knew, and sure enough, it was that deer. So I got on him with the camera. He actually walked that goofy buck off. He postured up to him, ran him out of the woods, and then started working away from us. So Nate grunted a couple times, and it's like he didn't pay any attention to it. Definitely had to hear it because he was less than a hundred yards. And it's dead quiet in there at this point. So he walks off, and then he stops. And it's almost like he was feeding on acorns or something, or maybe he was just sniffing around. It was through so much brush, it was hard to see. But Nate decided to throw him a couple more grunts and a snort wheeze, and that had him coming. As soon as he did that, that deer picked his head up and started coming to us on a line. And he ended up behind us in a lane where Nate really hadn't planned on shooting. He hadn't really cut shooting lanes for that. What's funny is me and the camera stand, I could have been sitting down and had a perfect shot at that deer right at, it was like 38 yards, I think, is what he ended up ranging him. But the deer comes in, dead broadside, got him on camera, all the pre-roll you could ever want. 
Uh, it was really pretty. He actually stopped him, and his head was behind a tree for me, but I could see his body. And he stopped him before he drew back, actually. He was kind of in the shadow of the tree, so he stopped him. He had his pin set at 40, and he drew back while he was standing there, and it took forever, seemed like, from the time he stopped him till he shot. And I was actually behind the camera thinking, he's not drawn back yet. And he stopped him, and I thought, oh, shoot, I better get on this deer and get steady because he's about to shoot him. Well, then it was several seconds later, he, he hadn't drawn back yet, so he got Drew back. He settled in on him. He said he felt really good about the shot, but it went high. Like, the deer did drop for sure, but he missed him fairly high at like 40 yards. I thought, that was weird. So the deer runs off. He wasn't spooked bad. He didn't really know what happened. Uh, we didn't end up seeing him again. But turns out, and you could see it in the video if you play it back really slow, that arrow is kind of spinning like the whole arrow is like spiraling kind of as it's coming into frame. And he there was two little bitty limbs that he'll show you on on the show tonight. You'll get to see them. Now we're in a shooting lane. And with the light that we didn't have, I mean, it was right there before sunrise still, probably 20 minutes after legal light in the timber. You guys that have been in there know what that looks like. And he just couldn't see those two little twigs. And he hit one of them or both of them and sent that arrow high. It was actually a good thing that he dropped because had he not, he probably would have smacked him right above the spine in the back straps, and that would have been definitely worst-case scenario. Right now, that deer's still running around. Nate did get pictures of him after gun season, so we know he's still there. But he's out there running around not having a clue what happened. He just came in looking for a fight, heard a loud noise and a crash, and then got out of there. So um, best-case scenario, hitting a twig is that it missed clean and and that deer's still out there for him to hunt. So hopefully he'll get another crack at him. But you guys will get to see that as well on the show tonight. It's all really good footage. He's a really, really pretty deer. Um, he doesn't have much height, but he's heavy, and he's wide, and he's got a lot of points. He's got a lot of tines. So uh, that's definitely one you'll, that you'll want to see. Uh, then he ended up missing a coyote as well that morning. Well, he didn't completely miss him. He skimmed some hair off the back of his neck, and that dude got out of there unbelievably fast. So that was entertaining as well, but it was... It was really a, a good couple days of hunting, I guess, but also, you know, really, really tough as far as losing that buck goes. I would have rather been in the same boat as Nate, I think. I would have rather just missed that buck clean than had shot him and not been able to find him. But that's bow hunting. Unfortunately for me, that's been kind of the case here the last several deer that I've shot. Um, just something has gone wrong. Haven't been able to recover him. Uh, and this time I got video proof. Like the arrow looked like it should have drilled him and something goofy happened you know just it's a couple inches here or there that make the difference and that's what happened again on this buck so that's all that's kind of crammed into two days all that stuff was less than 24 hours apart really um but it was a busy week it was a fun week of hunting for sure you know i was glad i got to video nate and he got to come video for me we had a ton of fun doing it hopefully you guys will enjoy the episode i think it's a good one it's gonna it was tough for me to put together it's gonna be hard to watch too um just knowing the outcome and, and what happens with that buck. But I think you guys will enjoy it for sure. We'll have more coming up. We did have a couple bucks taken, uh, a buck and a doe at least taken during the gun season. So that stuff will be on next week's episode. I know Dusty got out with his daughter Kelby and they were they had a successful hunt. So you guys will get to see that one on next week's episode. Plus whatever we get to, get to film this week. I'm going to try to get out at least a few times, probably back there to the cabin, knowing that some of the bucks are still around. I've, I've got pictures of the seven and that, 140-ish, 10-pointer, um, both post-gun season, so I know they at least made it through the first one. So a lot to look forward to. You know, it's 
it's going to be a little tougher moving forwards, but we are still in November, so we got that going for us. Um, this lockdown phase, we should be kind of towards the tail end of the lockdown, so we'll hopefully see bucks start moving a little bit more again. Looking for those last remaining does. We will have some does coming in that maybe this year's, last year's fawns, they're coming in a little late. And then towards the end of this month, beginning of December, you know, you'll have the the does that didn't get bred the first time or it didn't take or whatever, and they'll be hitting their second cycle. So we do still have good days to hunt ahead. The weather looks like it's going to be pretty good, so we're looking forward to that. But I'm going to stay probably close to the doe bedding there at the cabin. I will hunt either that new plot or the cabin plot, depending on the wind. Either spot, I think, can be good this time of year. Catch some bucks moving through, obviously with the new deer moving in. And then hopefully the shed buck will show back up at some point. I haven't had pictures of him since the second so, uh, you know, I'm starting to wonder, but last year I did have a few streaks where I didn't get pictures of him for quite a while as well. So I got to think he's still around. I think if someone would have killed him, I would have heard about it up there in that neck of the woods, especially now knowing, uh, all the neighbors that I do. So I guess if there's a silver lining to having to track that buck, it's that we got to meet some, some nice people and some good neighbors. And we've kind of been in contact with him as well. So that was the silver lining maybe to that, but that's all I got for this week, guys. Um, Make sure you stay after them. If you haven't got it done yet, you still got plenty of time. You know, late season even, if you got food especially, or if you can get in between their beds and their food, late season can be really good too. The bucks will become patternable again. That's one thing with November. It's hard to pattern those bucks. Like I'm saying, all these new ones that are showing up, uh, that goofy buck on Nate's farm, he had never seen him before. That was a new buck as well. So it can be kind of hard to pattern them during November, but that'll change again here as we get into the late season, latter part of December. But we'll talk more about that as we get there. We do have some good guests coming up. I know of, um, we're going to have one story of a giant deer that got shot whenever we can work that out. I have to get that scheduled. It's been so busy with the show and up at the shop that I haven't been able to do that yet, but we'll get that one coming to you guys. So like I said, that's all I got for this week. I appreciate you guys tuning in. We're keeping it short. If you have not yet, if you haven't punched your tag, get out there, stay after them. This could be a good week to do it. Uh, Thanksgiving week has been good for us in the past, so maybe it'll be good for you this year. But we'll catch you guys on the next episode this Friday, hopefully. We'll see if I can get one recorded before Thanksgiving and get it posted Friday. I apologize for this one coming out late. Um, but if not, we'll see you on next Monday's episode. And don't forget about Fall Pursuit tonight at 7 o'clock. You get to see video of all the stories I was telling you about on this episode. So again, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.